Daniel predicted a coming world government at the end of this age, that it will be divided into ten divisions, that it will be ruled by a satanic person Christians called the Antichrist, and that the tribulation period will be in response to a decree from God. This week on Connecting the Gap, we're going to wrap up Daniel and then move on into the minor prophets in our study of prophecies of the Bible. We're going to start that right after this. Well, happy birthday to us. This is episode 52 of Connecting the Gap podcast. Thank you for joining me this week. It's hard to believe it's been a whole year since this whole idea was birthed, and I moved forward and went ahead and started this ministry that I have called Connecting the Gap. It's just a ministry that God laid on my heart about a year ago, and actually it was just prior to that. I just finally decided to go forth with it about a year ago, and uh, it's just been quite a ride. I've really enjoyed it had lots of Bible studies that I've been able to share with you guys here, and I hope that over this last year that in some way you've been blessed, you've grown in Christ, and got to learn more about God's Word as I've studied it. Um, I study with you guys each week as we go through all of these discussions, and so thank you so much for prayers, and thank you so much for the kind words that some of you have spoken to me. Thank you for the shares, thank you for the subscriptions, and I just can't say enough about how thankful I am for all of you out there that follows the podcast, and hope Hopefully, is blessed by the content. You can go to my website, connectingthegap.net, and uh, there you can figure out where you can actually subscribe if you have not done so. I'm on many, many different platforms as far as the podcast is concerned. You can also subscribe to my blog that I post there as well, and then I have a YouTube channel for those of you that like YouTube. If you subscribe to any of those, you'll get notifications when new material is posted. We're going to go ahead and get into it this week. We're going to finish up Daniel, and then we're going to move on into the minor prophets, starting with Hosea uh, this week on Connecting the Gap. And last uh, the last few weeks here, we've been talking about the Antichrist a lot in the book of Daniel, as he had a lot of visions and dreams that had a lot to do with the Antichrist. And so we're going to kind of pick up where we left off last week, still talking about the Antichrist and who he is. And we're going to start this week by talking about how are we to know the identity of the Antichrist. Well, here in Daniel, he gives us five clues of who this Antichrist will be or who he will be like. In Daniel chapter 9, verse 26, it says he will begin his rise to world power in the European Union. In Daniel chapter 7, verse 7 through 8, and then verse 24, it says the Antichrist will rise to power after the world is split into ten regions. In Daniel chapter 2, verses 40 to 43, the Antichrist, after rising to power in Europe, will take over the UN. In Daniel chapter 9, verse 27, he will sign a covenant with many, promising to protect Israel for seven years. And in chapter 9, verse 27 of Daniel, he will desecrate the temple in Jerusalem at the tribulation period midpoint. In the book of Daniel, he also calls the Antichrist another horn. That's in Daniel chapter 7, verse 8, and verse 24. He calls him a little horn in Daniel chapter 7, verse 8, and then chapter 8, verse 9. He calls him a king with fierce features. That's Daniel chapter 8, verse 23, and a prince who is to come. That's Daniel chapter 9 
in verse 26. Some people wrongly believe that the tribulation period begins with the rapture, but it actually begins with the signing of a well-publicized covenant. It will be signed by representatives of many nations, and it will be a covenant to protect Israel for seven years. The signature of the Antichrist on the seven-year covenant begins the tribulation period. The second coming of Jesus ends the seven-year tribulation period. Things are shaping up for the fulfillment of this prophecy, and the UN is being transformed into a world government. The Roman Empire is being revived in the form of the European Union. Israel is back in the land. The quest for a peace treaty in the Middle East is going strong, and preparations for rebuilding the temple are well underway. But the stage for the 70th week will not be completely set until after the rapture and the rise of the Antichrist. That's going to wrap up Daniel in our Prophecies of the Bible study. And we're going to keep moving on this week into the Minor Prophets. And as I said earlier, we're going to be starting with the book of Hosea. We're going to be starting in chapter 1, around verse 10 and 11 here shortly. First of all, a little bit about the Minor Prophets. The Old Testament ends with 12 short books that, because of their length, are often called the Minor Prophets. These 12 prophets lived from about 840 B.C. to 420 B.C., and they were the main moral and spiritual leaders of their time. They spoke to the needs of the people, informing them about God, obedience, faith, love, patience, sin, and judgment, but there were times when they predicted future events, and this is where we're going to concentrate in the minor prophets as we continue with this study about the prophecies of the Bible. The messages are widely recognized as being inspired by God, Yet critics are surprisingly quiet about the content of these books on a normal basis. Irving Jensen quoted saying, The books are minor only in the sense of being much shorter than such prophecies as Isaiah and Jeremiah, which is part of the major prophets. Their message is surely not less important today, nor was it when first delivered in Old Testament times. They were minor prophets preaching a major message. I like how he probably puts that, because there is a lot of powerful things in these last 12 books of the Old Testament. So now we're going to go ahead and move into Hosea, chapter 1, verse 10 through 11. Yet the number of the children of Israel shall be as the sand of the sea, which cannot be measured or numbered. And it shall come to pass in the place where it was said to them, You are not my people. There it shall be said to them, You are sons of the living God. Then the children of Judah and the children of Israel shall be gathered together and appoint for themselves one head, and they shall come up out of the land, for great will be the day of Jezreel. God told the prophet Hosea to marry an adulterous woman and have children by her to illustrate the fact that the Israelites had committed great harlotry or spiritual adultery as they took up a lot of false religions by departing from the Lord. Hosea's heart would break, and that would illustrate that Israel's sin was breaking the heart of God. Hosea's home would be torn apart, and that would illustrate that Israel's sin was tearing apart the house of God. Hosea married an adulterous woman named Gomer. They had three children, and God named all of them. The first was a boy named Jezreel, which means God sows or God scatters, and his name illustrated the fact that God planned to judge Israel's sin and scatter the people. The second was a girl named Lo-Rahamah, which means not pitied, and her name illustrated the fact that God was going to stop pitying and forgiving the sinful people. The third was a boy named Loami, which means not my people, 
and his name illustrated the fact that Israel's sins meant that the Jews were no longer God's people. These analogies meant that God planned to destroy the nation of Israel. Some even want to believe that he planned to put an end to the nation forever. But that goes against the covenants, which must be fulfilled, and he ignores the prophecies in Hosea 1, 10 through 11. In these verses, God promises that the children of Israel shall be as the sand of the sea, which cannot be measured or numbered. Although the Jews were no longer his people, the time will come when they will be called sons of the living God. And although Israel was divided into a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom, the time will come when they will be one nation. Finally, instead of having separate kings for the two kingdoms, the time will come when they will have one leader. You can think of Israel as a great ball player who was recruited by a coach or God, but he wouldn't do what the coach said. His coach tried to get his attention, but he wouldn't listen. Finally, his coach took him out of the game, set him on the sidelines, and put in another player, which is the church. After two quarters and in the third quarter of the game, the great ball player realizes he's been sitting on the sidelines because he wouldn't listen. He tells his coach he will do what he is asked to do. Then and only then is he allowed to re-enter the game. And when he plays by the rules, he becomes a great star. This is the point. Israel is simply sitting on the sidelines until she repents. Then she will re-enter the game and prosper. Israel and Judah were both destroyed. Many of the Jews were killed, something that has happened again and again. But the Jewish people have never been completely wiped out. They are now a rapidly growing nation again, and they are just one nation, not two. But they will not be called sons of the living God until the millennium, and the one leader mentioned here is a reference to their acceptance of Jesus as the Messiah. That will occur at his second coming. In Hosea chapter 2, verses 18 through 23, God speaks about the Jews being his people. It says, In that day I will make a covenant for them with the beasts of the field, with the birds of the air, and with the creeping things of the ground. Bow and sword of battle I will shatter from the earth to make them lie down safely. I will betroth you to me forever. Yes, I will betroth you to me in righteousness and justice, in loving kindness and mercy. I will betroth you to me in faithfulness, and you shall know the Lord. It shall come to pass in that day that I will answer, says the Lord. I will answer the heavens, and they shall answer the earth. The earth shall answer with grain, with new wine, and with oil. They shall answer Jezreel. Then I will sow her for myself in the earth, and I will have mercy on her who had not obtained mercy. Then I will say to those who are not my people, You are my people, and they shall say, You are my God. God's covenant will include the animals, the birds, the creatures that move along the ground, and the nations. It will establish a period of security and peace for every living thing on the earth. All weapons will be destroyed. Israel, the land that has committed harlotry, will be forgiven, taken aback, and betrothed or engaged to be married to God forever. As Israel's husband, the Almighty will establish a new relationship with the nation based upon his righteousness or his ability to do right, his justice, his ability to give each person their due, his loving kindness, his ability to be gracious, tender, and affectionate, and mercy, his ability to be compassionate. This wonderful relationship will not be the result of Israel's merits. Rather, it will come about because of God's faithfulness, his unwavering commitment to keep the promises he has made. 
He will bless Israel and cause the land to be fruitful, and the people will prosper. They will have the best of everything in abundance. He will be their God, and they will be his people. Dwayne Garrett was quoted, It would seem, in fact, that faithlessness sums up the other four qualities in a single word. Because God is consistently good, righteous, and justice, one can rely upon him to do good consistently to his people. And because God is consistently merciful, love, and compassion, one can rely upon him to show mercy consistently to his people. The consistent goodness of God, his faithfulness, in contrast to the capriciousness of Baal, is the basis for Israel's salvation. Now some do not believe the Jews are God's chosen people. But to deny that fact is to deny the faithfulness of God, and to deny his faithfulness is to misunderstand his nature. Nature will turn against humanity during the tribulation period, war will be a common thing, and the Jews will be despised. But this will be reversed during the millennium. Nature will turn the earth into a paradise, peace will prevail, and the Jews will be respected. The current restoration of Israel is taking the nation toward the fulfillment of these things. The Jews are not more righteous than other people, but by the time the millennium arrives, the faithfulness of God will prevail. On the cross, Jesus died for the sins of the world. This includes the Jews who accept Christ at the end of the tribulation period. Forgiveness, salvation, and national restoration will be theirs in the future because God's blessings are for all those who repent. In Hosea chapter 3, verses 4 through 5, it says, For the children of Israel shall abide many days without king or prince, without sacrifice or sacred pillar, without ephod or teraphim. Afterward, the children of Israel shall return and seek the Lord their God and David their king. They shall fear the Lord and his goodness in the latter days. In this passage of Scripture, because they committed spiritual adultery by departing from the Lord, he decreed that the Jews would live many days without a king or a prince to rule over them, without priests to offer sacrifices or erect a sacred pillar, which are pillars of stone erected in honor of pagan gods, and without spiritual symbols such as an ephod, which is the sacred garment worn by a priest, and the teraphim, which is a statue or image used to represent a god such as a false god. After the many days have ended, the Jews will abandon their spiritual adultery, seek the Lord their God Jehovah, and David their king, a king in the line of David, Jesus. They will do this in the latter days, that's the last days of the times of the Gentiles, that period of time that will end with the second coming of Jesus. Robert T. Boyd once said, After the worldwide dispersion under Titus and Hadrian, the Jews had no place to worship and offer sacrifices. They built synagogues and observed some feasts, had rabbis, and offered chickens on the Day of Atonement. But they were a wandering, scattered people until Israel became a nation in 1948. They still have no king, no temple, no scriptural sacrifices, and no priest. And Hosea predicted this over 2,700 years ago. Arnold Fruchenbaum also has said, When the restoration of Israel comes, it will no longer be in the form of two kingdoms, with each one having their own king. They will be a reunited nation with only one head, and that head will be the resurrected David, who will serve as their prince. So while Jehovah will serve as their God and absolute king, David will serve under him as God's prince over Israel. 
As we close today, it is important to notice that this prophecy was uttered about 2,700 years ago, which was before Israel split into two kingdoms, the northern and the southern, and before the temple was destroyed. In other words, it was given at a time when Israel had a king, priest, and many spiritual symbols. Apart from a revelation from God, how else could anyone foretell these things? But not only have the Jews been without a king, temple, and sacrifice for almost 2,000 years, now that they have returned, they are seeking to change their political system, reestablish the throne of David, identify one of his descendants to be king, build a palace, a throne, a temple, and resume the sacrifices. God put the Jews off the land. Then he restored the nation and sent the Messiah, or Jesus. But the Jews rejected him, so God put them off the land a second time. He is now restoring the nation again, and the Jews are returning. But they are not returning to accept Jesus. According to the Bible, they will not do that until after the tribulation period, when Jesus comes a second time. The millennium will start, he will rule as their king, and they will worship him. That's going to wrap up this week's podcast for our one-year anniversary of Connecting the Gap podcast. Thank you guys again for joining me today as we've continued our study on prophecies of the Bible. It's a study based on one by Damon Duck. Hope you guys have learned and grasped something from this week. And as I said at the beginning of this podcast today, thank you once again for your support and for your prayers. I really cherish those tremendously. And I thank you so much for doing that for me and my ministry. Next week, we'll be back. We'll continue through Hosea as we have kicked off the minor prophets at this point. And we'll also get into Joel and some of the other minor prophets possibly next week. And so you don't want to miss any of that as we are cruising our way towards Revelation in our studies on prophecies of the Bible. Again, if you are curious on how to get a hold of all of these podcasts, you can go to my website, connectingthegap.net. There you'll be able to subscribe to any of those, to my blog and my YouTube channel. And there's a page there on how to get saved as well and a contact page. So you can go check that out. Well, I'm out of here until next week. Thank you guys once again, and I'll be back then. Until then, don't forget that God's Word never fails us. God's Word has stood the test of time, and through Jesus' death on the cross, He has connected the gap. (laughs) 